This podcast is from the Rand Corporation, a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more Rand analysis, reports, and commentary on issues at the forefront of today's policy debate, visit www.rand.org. Good afternoon, and welcome to Rand's monthly congressional briefing series. Today's briefing is being video recorded and will be available tomorrow afternoon at www.rand.org. Or you can listen to the briefing by subscribing to Rand Congressional Briefing Series podcast on iTunes. Today's briefing is on a very interesting study which focuses on the effectiveness of performance-based accountability systems in five sectors: childcare, education, healthcare, public health emergency preparedness, and transportation. Today's presentation initiates a bigger back-to-school education theme that will focus on RAND education work from now through September. Brian Stetcher led a team of researchers in his study and will be presenting the research today. Brian is the acting director of RAND Education, and his research focuses on measuring educational quality and improvement in evaluating education reforms, particularly assessment and accountability systems. Frank Cam is part of the research team on this study. Frank is senior economist at RAND, and he leads multidisciplinary teams studying high-level resource management issues in the Department of Defense. Frank will be available to answer any questions you may have after the briefing. And now I'd like to turn it over to Brian. Thank you. I'm here today to talk about a new form of accountability for public services. In the traditional approach, which is regulatory, uh, the government transfers resources to service providers who then engage in activities to benefit the public. For example, if I'm sick and I go see my doctor, the doctor delivers services, turns around and sends a bill to Medicare. Medicare um, decides if the services are warranted and pays the doctor. But nowhere in that equation uh, is my health factored in. In the new form of accountability, there are consequences associated with outcomes. They trigger incentives, either uh, positive rewards or sanctions, to shape the behavior of the service providers. This performance-based accountability is growing in popularity, although it has been little studied in the United States. And so for the past two years, a group of 10 RAND senior researchers has been conducting an investigation of performance-based accountability across a number of sectors in the U.S. economy. And I'm going to talk to you today about our findings, in particular the sorts of things we learned about how to do this well or how to do it poorly, and provide some recommendations for legislators in thinking about performance-based accountability in the future. Um, we use this term, performance-based accountability system, but actually these techniques are referred to in a number of different ways in different sectors. The key element is that there are incentives attached to measured performance, and those shape behavior, and that the systems are uh, implemented thoughtfully, evaluated, and refined over time. Today's presentation will use examples drawn from education, from healthcare, childcare, from transportation, and from public health emergency preparedness, which is the responses of health departments to uh, natural and to man-made disasters. 
as we noted, interest in this kind of accountability has been growing. Um, but there's a limited amount of research on which to base uh, wise decisions. And so RAND, a team of 10 of us, began a study two years ago to look at nine specific cases of performance-based accountability. In childcare, we looked at state-level quality rating and improvement systems. In education, we looked at No Child Left Behind, which is federal policy, and also at pay-for-performance systems that are implemented locally by states or by school districts. In healthcare, we looked at um, federal efforts to tie pay to physicians and physician groups to outcomes, or to tie pay to the reporting of uh, outcomes. In emergency preparedness, we looked at the Centers for Disease Control's cooperative agreement with state health departments. And in transportation, we looked at four examples that are listed uh, on the charts, including uh, transit formula allocations, fuel economy standards, the Clean Air Act, and um, what's called A plus B, or cost plus time contracting. I was joined in this study by the uh, senior RAND researchers in each of these sectors who are listed on the chart, as, uh, as well as with, uh, by Frank Cam, who was introduced earlier, who is a uh, senior economist who works in performance management more broadly. We spent two years looking at the literature, convening experts and practitioners and policymakers in the five sectors, and using our own expertise and research to explore what worked and what did not work in performance-based accountability. So I would take a moment to preview some of the findings and then uh, spend a little more time talking about the research evidence. Um, what we found was that despite the, the lack of evidence, it appears that these are promising techniques and under the right circumstances, they can lead to improvements in, in the quality of services that are delivered. Um, but the right, getting the systems right is a challenge. A lot of attention needs to be paid to effective design particularly to the choice of incentives and the definition of measures so that they drive people's behavior in the desired direction. It's important to make the system responsive to the particular context in which you want to implement it. So you can't merely see something that works in one sector, say childcare, and transplant it to another sector, say transportation, and have it work effectively. And then finally, there's a long engaged integrative process that should be gone through to get the design, the implementation, the evaluation all connected so that you can monitor how well the system is working and refine it over time. What I'll do in the next few minutes is summarize the research that we investigated. It's a small and quickly efficient summary, talk a little bit about some of the findings across the sectors when you compare results, and then offer some suggestions for policymakers about going forward. Overall, there were mixed results in the five sectors we examined. In education, for example, No Child Left Behind clearly led to improvements and in the performance and behaviors of teachers and administrators. Uh, schools focused more clearly on the measure on outcomes. They implemented more rigorous curriculum in reading and in English language arts. On the other hand, 
The incentives also led teachers to narrow their focus, to put in uh, aggressive test preparation activities that led to higher scores without necessarily improving broader student outcomes. In healthcare, small incentives led to small improvements in quality. In transportation, somewhat in contrast, larger incentives led to really uh, large changes in behavior, in some cases extremely successful uh, height, uh, accelerated construction projects, in other cases very aggressive lobbying to try to undermine the threatened reforms that were going to affect transit subsidies. There isn't that much evidence about outcomes in uh, childcare or in public health emergency preparedness. So that's a capsule summary of what's really known within each sector. Perhaps more interesting is comparing across sectors. Um, and I'll tell you some of the conditions that we identified that seem to be associated with effective performance-based accountability. And I'll start by talking through an example of a, a very effective system. This is the response to the 19 94 Northridge earthquake. The quake destroyed the inter Interstate 10 Highway, which is the main east-west highway in Los Angeles, carries 200,000 passenger cars a day, roughly. And um, when it was disruptive, it caused uh, massive problems for commuters and for businesses. And so everyone was very much interested in getting these repairs done um, uh, safely, but efficiently. And so we turned, the, the California Department of Transportation turned to the A plus B contracting model. The legislature passed some regulations that streamlined the, uh, the approval process and removed some of the, uh, the normal hurdles to construction work. And the uh, Department of Transportation led a contract which paid a fixed amount when the work was completed and then paid bonuses for early completion or had penalties for late completion. And the end result was uh, met everyone's satisfaction. In fact, exceeded many people's expectations. The work was done more than a third ahead of schedule. The, this example is helpful because it allows us to look at the kinds of conditions under which something like performance-based accountability is likely to work best. So let's take a look at what those conditions are. One is you have to have a very clear and understandable goal. In this case, it was to get the traffic moving again. Second is there has to be a measure that's unambiguous and easily observable. Um, here, the number of days between the earthquake and the time that the freeway was open um, was a measure that everybody understood. Third, the incentives need to be meaningful and significant enough to gather people's attention. And the bonuses available under this contract met that criteria. Fourth and often most difficult is the people who are being incentivized actually have to have the power to change behavior to affect the outcomes. Here, the construction contractors could muster the resources, the personnel, the steel and the cement to get this work done. It wasn't things that were outside their control. And then finally, you have to have adequate resources and an appropriate infrastructure to ensure that, in this case, uh, the safety uh, and health concerns were still being protected while the construction was going on. 
Unfortunately, that's not always the case in performance-based accountability systems. Um, and a lot of attention has to go into designing them appropriately. So I'd like to talk about a few cases in which things were not optimum, when things like the goals, the measures, or the incentives were hard to define in, a, in an effective manner. Let's begin in talking about the question of outcomes. Many cases, the desired performance is not as clear as it was in the construction case. So for example, um, you want childcare systems to prepare students so that when they enter elementary school, they're ready to learn academically and socially. But when you look at what goes on in the interactions between a teacher and a four-year-old, it's not exactly clear what are the things that are going to lead to that desired outcome. It's hard to define a measure that's precisely relevant to the thing that you were looking for down the road. It's also sometimes difficult to figure out who's the person or what is the unit of analysis that should be held accountable for performance. Health departments are often held accountable for being ready to deliver vaccines in a timely manner or ready to, be, to deliver uh, uh, emergency medical services in a timely manner, but they can't completely control the circumstances under which they work. They rely on public safety organizations and law enforcement agencies to make sure that um, the public uh, is <coughs> excuse me, safe and, and sound. So it's difficult to imply incentives just to the departments of health when they don't have full control over everything that's necessary for them to deliver their services. Incentives are also a challenge. What, in the sectors we looked at, there was a wide variety of carrots and sticks that were used. Um, on, the, on the reward side, they ranged from very small incentives. In childcare, the individual childcare centers often get nothing more than a letter grade or a series of star ratings, which is enough to motivate changing in behavior, uh, to really large incentives. In transportation, millions of dollars were at stake. Similarly, on the sanction side, some are very, sometimes <coughs> these systems use tiny sanctions, other times rather significant ones. Under No Child Left Behind, if the school continues to fail to make adequate yearly progress, then all of the staff can be removed, the principal can be removed, and the whole school can be turned over to a charter management organization. So there's a wide range of incentives in place, and it's tough to figure out how to get them exactly right. Um, what you want is something that's large enough to stimulate changes in behavior, um, and that we found in our examples that was not always the case. But you don't want it to be so large that it distorts people. You don't want to engender so much teaching to the test that people begin to doubt whether the outcomes that you're looking for are really valid or not. In fact, teaching to the test has now become a kind of metaphor that's used in lots of other sectors to talk about these the results of these perverse kind of incentives. Um, defining the measures correctly is also a challenge because in many cases, the metrics don't exist and you have to build new ones and building them can be quite expensive. So what I'd like to know is after I go to the doctor, in the next week, do I get better? And two weeks after that, do I feel healthy and ready to perform at a, at a full level? But unfortunately, it's very expensive to measure that. You'd have to go back in and, and do an abstraction from my chart or contact me and follow up. 
And so instead, lots of times the incentives are attached to things that are easier to measure, although they may not be optimum. Did I get an x-ray? Check that off. Yes, attach a bonus to it, where that's not ultimately what we want to reward. Some sectors are better than others. So that in transportation and health, there's a growing uh, slate of measures that are collected routinely and can serve as the basis for accountability systems. But in many cases, people go for um, the best available measure, which is far from optimum. Uh, in childcare, as I mentioned, you'd like to know whether kids are kindergarten ready, but very often the quality rating and improvement systems look only at the ratio of adults to students or the uh, credentials of the adults <clears throat> because other measures are uh, difficult to collect or extremely expensive. So looking, assembling this sort of evidence and thinking about what the implications are for designing better performance uh, accountability systems, uh, I'll point out three or four. One is that context really matters. If there's a culture or a history of performance measurement in a sector, it's going to be easier to implement performance accountability because people will be familiar with the numbers, they'll have some confidence and some faith in them. <clears throat> it's also important to think about how performance-based accountability is going to layer on top of or integrate with all the other governance structures that may exist. In healthcare, doctors are regulated by uh, state laws, by federal regulations, by local conditions, by professional association guidelines, and adding another layer of performance-based accountability may not be enough to capture someone's attention. So <clears throat> attending to context and factoring it into the design matters a lot. Similarly, designing the measures in a clever and effective way is cr a critical task. <clears throat> Many times, a simple measure isn't adequate to treat everyone fairly. One doctor sees patients who are sicker than another. One teacher has to confront students who don't speak English, where the other has, a, has students who are all fluent in English. And somehow, in designing measures, you have to accommodate these variations in the initial conditions. That might mean using statistical techniques to adjust for risk, or it might mean measuring focusing on the inputs rather than the outcomes or measuring things relative to a baseline rather than in terms of absolutes. Similarly, it's critical to get the size of the incentives right. So you're not investing more resources in the system than you're gaining in terms of the benefits or not investing enough resources to motivate change. <clears throat> Finally, the evidence suggests that it's good to think about performance-based accountability as a process that both unfolds over time and should be evaluated in stages. In this case, we highlight that you need to think about designing the measures, then putting them in place, doing some pilot testing to see how well they operate, and then tracking them over time to see whether you're having the desired effects. And you want to evaluate them in stages as well. So that the evaluation first looks at the context and the design elements and fixes them as much as possible and then looks at outcomes and adapts things depending on whether you're having the desired results or not. <clears throat> so taking a step back, we tried to think about what were the issues a legislator would have to 
confront in trying to decide whether a performance-based accountability approach was the right one or not. Because there may be situations in which this is not the way to go. Uh, so we created a series of questions to sort of ask yourself to think about whether performance-based accountability is right and how you would want to design it. First question is whether the goals <clears throat> are really agreed upon widely and whether you can come up with measures that are closely aligned with those long-term outcomes. Secondly, think about who should be held accountable and whether you can identify people who actually have enough control to influence the outcomes that you're trying to promote. Third, what incentives will be adequate to motivate changes in behavior? Do you need, do you need rewards or sanctions, large or small? Fourth, think about how the system will be implemented uh, and how you're going to monitor the rollout to make sure that you're balancing positive and negative outcomes appropriately. Finally, uh, you need to look at effectiveness. Does the system work? Does it have unintended or unanticipated consequences that are actually reducing the overall result? And how are you going to think about modifying it over time to make it better? The goal of performance-based accountability is to get services so they're continuously improving. But the system itself needs to be thought of as one that's continually improving as well. It's not a static turnkey system that you put in place and walk away from. Thank you very much. This concludes the recorded portion of the briefing, and now I'd like to open it up to questions. This presentation is provided as a public service by the RAND Corporation. Visit www.rand.org to learn more about these issues and to explore RAND's free online library of more than 10,000 policy reports and commentaries.